Earners, what's up? Look, I want to give y'all a little peek behind the curtain of producing Earn Your Leisure. It's a lot more than just sitting down and chatting. It involves meticulous planning, recording, editing, and then promoting each episode to ensure it reaches all of you. And if you picked up any of our merch, then you know there's a whole extra layer of logistics from inventory management to shipping. Running a podcast is like running a small business. And speaking of business, I know many of you entrepreneurs are involved in e-commerce. You understand how crucial it is to streamline operations and cut costs wherever possible. That's why I want to talk to you about ShipStation, the multi-carrier shipping solution that integrates seamlessly with all your online sales channels. It's all about optimizing your shipping, connecting with expert partners, and freeing up more of your time to focus on scaling your business. Now let's talk about our experience with ShipStation. This tool has been a game changer for us, especially with automating routine tasks. Being able to manage everything from one dashboard and print shipping labels with just a click, absolute lifesavers. Plus, the discounts we get on shipping costs are incredible. Honestly, it feels like we're saving thousands. And as our show and merch sales have grown, ShipStation's robust automation and reporting features have helped us keep up without missing a beat. For those of you who get overwhelmed by order volumes, ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard is a dream come true. You can import orders from any sales channel, apply shipping preferences automatically, and handle customer service issues right there. Not to mention the savings with up to 89% off carrier rates like UPS, DHL Express, and USPS. It's no wonder over 130,000 companies stick with ShipStation long term. So, are you ready to turn your shipping challenges into growth opportunities? Head over to ShipStation.com and use promo code EARN for a free 60-day trial. Again, that's ShipStation.com, promo code EARN. Start streamlining your shipping and scaling your business today. Earners, what's up? Y'all know I'm big on doing your research, sharing your research, and giving credit to where you found the research. But I always get asked the same question. Where do I start with the research? And the answer is easy. It's our sponsor, Yahoo Finance. Whether I'm tracking the daily movement of my favorite companies, doing technical analysis with their easy to use charting platform, or checking balance sheets, Yahoo Finance makes something very complex, simplified. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or you're looking for extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. You could actually securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k, and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors. And it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. With a community of over 90 million users each month, the real strength is helping you on your way to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. You heard me, yahoofinance.com. Don't wait, don't hesitate. I use it. You should go over there and start using it now. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL Atlanta edition. You know, this is 
You say our second home, but it really feels like our yeah. first home. Everything we've been doing live has been here. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we get so much love out here. We really got to buy some real estate out here. And, that's and next. Really that's next. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> next. That's next. For real. So, you know, a few episodes. I'm always excited about every single episode that we do. But a few episodes is really, really exciting for us. Yeah. Shout out to Dane, man. That was a <laughs> that was legendary. bucket list situation for us. <laughs> yeah, that was, and that he was, was every, legendary. He was everything that we thought he was going to be. Yeah, that was the first thing they asked. How was he? Everything we expected. <laughs> everything we expected. That's a fact. Shout out to Dane. And it's been so many other great people that we had the opportunity to interview. Um, but this is right at the top of my list, personally. Sure. I'm sure yours as well, Troy. So, you know, Killer Mike's somebody that we just admired for a long time. And obviously one of the dopest rappers, but... I feel like everything that he's done outside of music has even surpassed his musical career as far as his, you know, advocacy, politics, business. Been an activist since 15, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a long it's, history. It's dope. It's dope. So, um, you know, this is something that we was looking forward to for a long time. And um, I had actually DM'd him a while ago, a while ago, a while ago. I don't even know if he actually saw it. But um, the boss of our bosses got us hooked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> AK and Nundrum. Um, just, just, just a, a bright light. If you're not following her, you need to follow her on Instagram. That's her Instagram handle. And, um, she, she's just been amazing for us. Mm -hmm. Just the resources, just pouring into us. How can class I help? For us too. Yeah, yeah. How can I help toward a class for EYL University? And, um, I put a post like, and we need to get Killer Mike on EYL. <laughs> she's like, hit me right away. Like, I know him. I can set it up for you. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I appreciate that. And she reached out to him and that started the line of communication. And we was kind of going back and forth for a few weeks. And then yeah. last week, it was it was ironic because he actually um, DM'd me. And we was on our way to Atlanta in a few days. Yeah. So I told him, like, yo, bro, I actually just got finished listening to your Breakfast Club interview. He had a big announcement last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was actually in a barbershop when he called yeah. ironically enough. So um, I'm like, let's set it up. And we set it up. And we was here for about 10 days. And every day, it was like, <laughs> yo, it's killer flight schedule. I'm like, I'm working on it. I sent him a text like, Yo, bro, like, we got six more days, five more days, four, four more days. We leaving tomorrow. But I told, I told my man, Smitty, I mean, I, I, we was talking, and I'm like, nah, you know, he, he gave me his word, and just by speaking to him, I could tell that he was a man of his word. So yeah. I'm like, there's no way he's going to let us leave without giving us an interview. Nah, even if we left, we was coming back. Yeah. Uh, we're going to keep coming to Atlanta until we get him. Yeah, so this is our last <laughs> night in Atlanta, and this is the nightcap edition, man. Dope. We out here, 8 o'clock at night. And we're going to interview the legendary Killer Mike. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Thank you for gracing our platform. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for opening up your shop, man. Man, thank you, man. This is um, Flagship Store, Swag Shop. And uh, we're just glad to have you. So I'm sure we're going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we got so much stuff to talk about, man. I just want to just jump right into it. Because yeah, yeah. You've been all over CNBC, CNN, Breakfast yeah. Club, all that. And yeah. You've done a lot, but the latest thing that you've done is an online bank. Yeah. Um, a black and, and Latinx-owned, I believe, bank, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's a banking platform, right? Or, or a fintech bank, a neo-bank. Um, our kids do everything from their phone. Mm -hmm. They literally do everything. My 13-year-old can do everything from a phone. So banking is going as you see more brick-and-mortar closures, as you see um, banking expanding in the tech space, banking is going to end up in your hand, in your phone. Andrew Young, who's a former ambassador, former lieutenant to Dr. King, mm -hmm. um, former mayor of, of Atlanta, um, travels, essentially 152 countries, I think. He's an ambassador, so yeah. he ambassades all over the world. He actually came to speak at my church. Man, that's, <laughs> man come on, man. Yeah, you heard yeah, 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 for sure. Um, but he's been my friend and mentor since 15 years old. 
and actually is a part of me growing me as an organizer. Andy doesn't do things for financially motivated reasons, yet they end up helping the greater community financially. So one example is, as mayor of Atlanta, he was responsible for making Atlanta international city by bringing the Olympics here. Mm -hmm. In bringing the Olympics, he didn't bring a bunch of people to just ran, swim, and jump that spoke different languages. Companies come also, right? you got Atlanta in Georgia is the third most Fortune 500 companies of any state in the union. So that's what him making the city an international city helped to do, helped to bring, just with the Olympics, I think $9 billion into the city, 41% with the black and minority contracts. Mm -hmm. The only condition was he couldn't personally make any money, but he made sure that people from the community made money. And then after that, another 11, 12 billion poured in. Um, blacks walked away with one point something billion of that, which ain't bad. You know what I mean? It, it ain't bad. It's, you know, ideally we want to get to the ass and betters, but it ain't bad start. So as Andy does stuff, he does stuff that helps the greater community and the greater community is better for it, right? So Atlanta is light years ahead. It's a beacon in the South. It's an international city with all these proclivities and with all these it's, it's, it's setbacks. It still is far more progressive than anyone would have ever thought 50 years ago, right? Um, he goes to India. He sees where people being paid in paper currency, same thing that's happening in depressed areas here, they're being robbed and looted by check cashing places, essentially. So you're already on the fringe. You make 200 bucks a week. Technically, you want to be able to save 10 to 20 percent of what you're making, right? Mm -hmm. So it's very hard to save 20 or 40 bucks when you're making 200 bucks a week. But some people have been dedicated, like our grandparents, enough to do it, to, to put aside that 20 and let that 20 get to 100 and put that aside and make sure you got stuff like a basic life insurance. $20 can decide if you got enough to bury your money. Check cashing places and liquor stores cut that out of the poor's the ability to spend, to save, to do anything. And that's a detriment, and it helps keep you at that bottom cash. Well, Andy <clears throat> saw a digitized system come there and greatly help people. So that was his part in understanding what Greenwood as a banking platform could do, or what's Greenwood. There's a guy named Paul Judge here out of the tech world. That's yeah. a brilliant guy. I'm familiar with him. Um, yeah, 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 Paul, yeah, Paul, yeah, yeah. More house, more <laughs> house, man, a bunch of bread, right? Yeah. And then there's Ryan Glover, who built Noontime Records, who built Bounce TV, mm -hmm. and who's a founding member of Greenwood. And they thought that this model, or models like this, as we go more digital, 65% of banking is done in palm of your hand. Poor people need relief from being um, predatory companies. All of this can meet and make sense and be a for-profit thing. And Greenwood is born. Why is it named Greenwood? Greenwood's name, Greenwood, was a town in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that was burned um, in a race wire, burned to the ash, burned to the ground. And I would argue, in not only destroying that town, in which a community turned a dollar 36 times, so it was strong in terms of schools, doctors, dentists, stores, it was strong. It was, it was like having an ecosystem in a jar in your kitchen. Even if your kitchen set on fire, until that smoke get in there, that ecosystem is still pumping, right? And burning down that town, I would argue that the poor whites that did that destroyed not only that town, this economy, but the greater economy around it. Which is why you ain't seen a basketball team pop up in Tulsa to a few years ago. You know, yeah, yeah. there was no need. It was no. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't a place where harmony could happen. So in, in Atlanta, 1906 or so, you get a riot not far from here, that way. And on that side of town, black people were killed. After that, Atlanta which is also the home of the Atlanta Conference with W.B. Du Bois, Booker to Washington. Yep. They're like, look, we're here. We're not going anywhere. We're right over here in the Fourth Ward. 
we either gonna go to war with these white folks and we're gonna destroy the city and we're gonna become every typical southern city and it's gonna be ashes again like Sherman left it when he was on his march to the beach in Savannah or we're gonna figure out how to let business and commerce trump bullshit. So quietly an agreement was made where black people and business owners took this side of downtown. And we're right now we're in the historic Auburn and Edgewood Avenue. Auburn and Edgewood Avenue are also were, will always be to some degree, Black Wall Street. The Atlanta Life Insurance Company was there, started by Alonzo Herndon. Ebenezer Baptist Church and the SCLC headquarters were there. All this was burgeoning black business. It's always been here. So Greenwood as a banking platform is in the spirit of that. Initially in terms of making sure we serve worker class, poor communities, making sure we serve the unbanked, making sure we serve black people and the Latino X crowd. But it is not only for us. Anyone is welcome to bring their green there. And anyone is welcome to know we're going to be stable with the wood, you know. So just like Atlanta had to realize as a city, it made more sense to cooperate and make business sense not to war in the middle of the streets. As since the bank understand that I'm not trying to tell anybody can't bank with us. We want everybody to bank with us. But we also want to be a place that grows into a lender in terms of car loans and home loans. Because many times the first generational wealth that anybody looks like us will have is be a home or something that someone left to us, right? And then they want to grow into growing, giving capital to businesses um, where 40, you got 41% business closures, I think AKA and other was putting yeah, up in terms yeah. of like businesses. Since Corona. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't for my out of pocket, would we have been able to survive? When we open back up, we're not charging barbers, you know, booping in the initial things of that nature. So I have to think about, you know, what's best for that. So I think that, um, I think that Greenwood is going to be not only one of the best banking platforms, but it's going to grow into a strong financial force that turns into a lender of not only homes and automobiles, but of small businesses, medium-sized businesses, and businesses by creatives that grow bigger market. So, I mean, obviously, you're an Atlanta historian. Like you said, you've been an active activist for over 30 years. Yes, 30 years of my life. That's, that's, that's a long time. That's yeah. a long time, right? So I'm trying to think, is there something during that process or is it just the culminating event of situations that motivated for Greenwood to start right now? Right, like, what, what was there a motivating factors, or it was just like, well, I, I don't know what, what motivated Ryan. I think that what motivated Andy was going and seeing it work, right? But for you, poor people, like, for me, it made it's made sense for me for 10 years. Mm. I've been talking about it actively yeah. for six years, okay. And they were the first bank or banking platform to say, let's bring Mike into the business fold. You know, that plenty of banks had the opportunity, and I still shout out all the black banks, right? right? But no one else, you know, said, well, let's get into business with them. And I think Ryan, um, you know, I think, you know, six years ago, I still saw me as me. Like if I was a talent scout, I would have been like, this talent, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the fact that they didn't doesn't bother me as much as I'm encouraged by the fact that Ryan did. Right. Because Ryan understands that Michael Render is a kid in a room who plays the character Killer Mike. But Michael Render, is married to one of the best business minds in this state, if not the nation. She's a friend of AKA another. She's my wife Shay. And you know, like Proverbs, and I'm not a I'm not a Christian, but Proverbs 31, 10 through 31 talks about having the right type of wife. So, you know, the business partner, life partner that I have helps me understand that the capital I go get, we can do something with. We can bury and and we can we can put it places where it compounds and grows. So, you know, for me in terms of Michael Rinder, I understand that that when Ryan invited me, that's bigger than whoever didn't invite me. Mm. Because he sees what I see in the mirror, and that's someone with the potential to grow into a business man. So, Michael, 
Michael Santiago Rendon. Yeah, yeah. Santiago. Uh, I ain't Mexican. No, my dad is just look. My dad is just look Dominican. My dad is like his dad with the waves and hair. Shouts out to Michael Lee. My dad got a country name. I'm like, I ain't naming my goddamn child Lee. Your name is Michael Santiago. Santiago. My wife said, my wife said, I'm so glad you get your dad hair. You have 20 kids. Shout out, shout out, shout out to Nori Victor Santiago. That's one of my best friends. So, so people don't realize. I, I did some research, and seventeen percent of Black people are unbanked, compared yes. to three percent. So, if you think about it, that's three percent of whites. That's a lot. And then I will never forget. So, um, people have heard of food deserts. Yes. And um, so I used to go to school in Baltimore. I did a, a research study on food deserts. Yeah. And it's like you know, where for people that don't know, um, they don't. Every neighborhood doesn't have like a, a grocery store. Exactly. So people or go market. grocery shopping in like gas stations and exactly. corner stores, and not only is the food bad, but the prices are much higher too. So they are. It's 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 a and double. And the food is more processed. It's not yeah, fresh. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that leads to high blood pressure, cholesterol, all that yeah. stuff. So I never heard of banking deserts until like a couple months ago. We did an episode. And we got it. Young lady was telling us about banking deserts. So it's like there's different pockets in in different areas where there's there's no bank. Yeah. And then there's check cash in places, and then. I never forget somebody told us because when we grew up, we had a check cash in place. And yeah. My first job as a, as I worked at a summer camp, and everybody used to go to the check cash in place to get it quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but they charge like three dollars, two dollars. You're not really thinking about it, but that adds up. It's like, why are you paying? And it's like you never see a check cash in place in a middle class or a wealthy neighborhood. It's either working class or poor neighborhoods. The crazy part is that not and not to cut you off, but the crazy part is that had we known like the bank right across the street wrote the check. We could have gotten the same day anyway. Well, that was the exactly. sad thing. There actually was a bank in our neighborhood, <laughs> yeah. but we was just so conditioned. And not only was the check cash in place right next to the Chinese spot that served fried chicken, I always wondered how that worked. So it's like, <laughs> it, was, it was a weird dynamic. But I say that to say, this online banking, I think, is, is really the way because even uh, in Kenya, I saw they had um, a lot of people can't get to banks because it's so rural. Mm-hmm. But they changed the whole dynamic by having like just basic cell phones where they could like bank on their cell Absolutely. phone. So, I knew it was real when I seen the dancer get paid in the blue flame via cell phone. Like no cap, no yeah, bullshit. Yeah. Like ground zero is the barbershop <laughs> and the booty club. When when I saw a barber, you said blue flame, the blue flame. We can go tonight afterwards. Y'all like, uh, I'm not staying long. <laughs> I'm gonna just do my mask. We, 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 we might have seen that place before. I, I mean, it might have. It's a black business. Oh, that's, that's a oh, shout out to Wall Street Trapper. Yeah, <laughs> shout out yeah. to Wall Street Trapper. Everybody yeah. support the flame. Yeah, black yeah, yeah. No, we, we actually pulled up to it, and as soon as we got there, somebody did a backflip into the wall. We were like. Y'all didn't go in? No, we, we went, went in. in. We, we went, went in. in. We, we went in. in. We supported. We supported. <laughs> you got to. You got to interview the owner, man. He's a great yeah, guy. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So yeah. So so you so you felt so you you had that idea in Blue Flame. Like this is this is. It. Well, I, I knew it was it. I knew something was happening. You know, it's like being in a gambling house, and, and you and you start hearing rumblings. You like, oh, something happening. You know. <laughs> Excuse me for like some. I learned business. You know, in the eighties and nineties, and how did a black kid learn business in the eighties and nineties? Running errands for pimps. Doing errands in the gallon house yeah, and yeah. selling two big crack cocaine. You know what I mean? So I learned business on the most <laughs> rudimentary level you can. But it's like when you're in the gallon house, you start hearing a little noise. Look, you just start looking around like something happening. Somebody winning or somebody losing bad. Yeah. But when I seen the phone light up, the dancer, he turned the phone. Like, what the fuck is he doing? I don't see no money. I'm like, she went over here a goddamn hour. So when she leaves, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, come in red. She's like, what I say, y'all? I see you dance and think, oh, that's a nigga, son, you ain't get no money. You know what I mean? She said, oh, no, kid, he paid me by cash out. And I was like, cash the fuck is cash out? <laughs> <laughs> I said, you know, my 
knows all. My wife doesn't let anybody teach me about technology. She says, if my husband needs to know something, I'll teach him, right? So shouts out to little sis Smiley. She stopped smiling from teaching me anything. But that's when I some if it's in the clubs already, that's and my barber started doing it, and my sister who's a hairstylist started doing it, and then my sister who's an accountant started telling me that they're paying and receiving all of digital that that their paper she used to work in paper checks. Yeah. But those things coming out, so I'm saying, oh, okay, I, I I see what's coming. So when Ryan calls me with the idea, of course, I'm I'm a receptive and open because that's what's next. Fintech. You know? Fintech yeah, yeah. is a huge financial technology. I feel like tech in every area will take over. So like Tesla is not a car company, it's a tech company. Yeah. So a lot of these brick and mortar banks are on their last leg because they're not making the transition. Yeah, well, a lot of them are, are don't want to have legs in certain communities. Like right. you're never not gonna see a Chase bank in a rich neighborhood or in the studio district where a lot of us the private banking one is how many so there's gonna keep you know, Shay's going to still be able to pull up and pull $250,000 cash out, but she's not going to be able to do it on Martin Luther King. Mm. That's not going to happen. The one at Greenbrier may not last, but the one on, on Howe Mill, it'll be there. And we have to, as a, as a community that has food deserts and banking deserts, we have to start to prepare for that. And education and technology can keep you I'm in, in a state of equity, of, of having some, some ownership of, and it can keep you in a place of having some equality where you stand a fair shot. It ain't fair, but just just let me get a fair shot. You know what I mean? I, I, I think, uh, and we just finished this book in our book club, The, the Color of Money. It, it tells the history of black people. Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the biggest things and the biggest They talked about me in that book. I know, I know. We, I shouted you out, too. Uh, I was like, I said, yo, Ernest, we might get him. Um, but one of the things that they talk about is the history of our relationship with money. Yeah. And once we learn our history, then we can understand how to use it, how to value it, and how to use it to our advantage. Yeah. But one of the things that we, we lack is trust. Yeah, yeah. And so as you take on this endeavor, I want to know your thoughts on, like, how do we get the trust from the people? Yeah. Well, you do a good job, and you do the best you can. And I've always told people, too. First of all, I've said, I didn't sign up for this leadership shit. I got in this to rap, <laughs> smoke weed, and hang out at the front, right? That's, you know what I mean? I was, but you, destiny, fate, the universe, or the creator that has crafted us put you, put you on the path. I didn't meet a.k.a. a nundrum by chance. I didn't happen into you guys by chance. It's, it's, I'm, I'm, my cup is empty. I'm supposed to be learning so I can pour into others. You know what I mean? So in, in matters of me, I always tell people I'm going to do my very best, and if I fuck up, I'm going to apologize and allow me to get back because mm -hmm. I don't like playing with people. I could have sat with other institutions and said, this is a deal I want. Give me this. I'm going to get you these many cards. You can give me this percentage off the cards. That's not what I did. I waited to something that I actually felt like was helpful to the community that produced me came along. And when it came along, the opportunity presented itself. I said, this is something that makes sense. This is something I'm willing to be a part of. This is something I wish to have equity in. And even, um, let's talk about group economics, because I feel like, I remember you um, a few years ago. I forgot what the triggering event was, but you took a bunch of rappers in Atlanta to like black, to, black, to open a black. It was um, Michael Brown's day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's what it was. Okay, and then I remember they did it in Houston, and it was yeah. a thing. And I remember shouts I, out to Paul, Trey, yeah, 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 yeah Slim, sure. Thug, yeah. Um, and you were saying like even if you if you're a black entrepreneur or you're a black professional, whatever, but if you put in money in a white bank, it still, in a sense, kind of defeats the purpose in a way. So, well, I'm not. Well, I'm not that pessimistic. Okay. What, no, no, that's not. I'm not one of those either ors, right? I'm from Atlanta, so people had to learn how to cooperate here. 
you know, William Hartsfield, who, who was an Atlanta mayor, was basically laughed and ran out of town because he gave Delta like a 50 or 100 year lease at like a dollar, five dollars a year. But yet Delta became one of the biggest employers of Atlantics mm -hmm. and brought huge commerce and made us help make us an international city, have an international one of the world's busiest airport. And he, airport after. Yeah, he had the foresight, though, to see it, you know, just like Maynard had the foresight. So, you know, with, with, with me, it's, it's like, um, you gotta have foresight. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta be willing to take a, the risk that you know is 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 secure or, or or sure you feel, or you know you can fail. But like in that, so in the Netflix in the Netflix series that you had, but you went like I think it was seven days. Like you just try to just only spend with black, black businesses, yeah. and you like even if you, it's like everything has to be black. You gotta learn to cooperate. You know, war is won without allies. I'm I'm sorry I got off point, okay. but the the point that I'm trying to make is that. The federal government, at one point, instead of making the big banks do fair business in terms of redlining stuff with black people, mm -hmm. said, no, we'll, we'll, we'll just support the black banks. And they never came through on their promise. Right. And they still want us to come vote, but they never came through on their promise. We should be forcing the hand of the federal government to do that. And at the same time, we should be cooperating with larger banking institutions, many of which whose banks were built directly off the backs of enslaved Africans. Yeah. Right. You look at stocks and bonds. A lot of that is you were the stock and the bond. You yeah. were the property. Mm -hmm. Insurance you, company. You, yeah, yeah, that's what you were. So my thing is, again, I learned selling drugs. Me and you could be at war a year ago, and a year later, the prices is right and shit. <laughs> I don't want to kill you no more, Rollo. I got a hundred bands. You got a hundred bands. We got a two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal. My buddy got twenty five. Your buddy got twenty five. So at a certain point. It's not that the pain isn't there. It's not that the tragedy isn't there. At what point do we have to start understanding that to win a war, I must ally? The United States and Russia have never liked each other. Just two radically different concepts on how to treat people and how to get money. But when Germany popped up and was Omar and everybody, motherfuckers found a way to get along. Omar. So we have to we have to think with the same mentality that I don't have to like or love you, but in matters of, of strengthening me as an individual, in my understanding what I can do in my group, in our, our community, I would partner or ally with you in a matter of a, of a bigger role. And that's just, that's just what it is. So let me, let, me, let me ask you a question real quick, because I know not only are you an entrepreneur, but you're really into politics. I don't want to be. I was going to ask you that. That was the segue? That was the segue because I, the, what you just said is what you said about the president now. You're like, I don't have to like him or even vote for him. But if he does something that helps my community, I should take advantage of that. Because I'm taking advantage, advantage of everything. I'm taking, but that's every president. Right. Yeah, that ain't just president. Now, that's, yeah. I guess I'll, there has been no president that has been for the black community. Hold right. on, take that in. Yeah, that's a fact. That's, that has been no president that has been for the black community. But if your policy affects the black community in a positive way, which can affect the greater community, I have to pay you some attention. Is so, that simple? I have to pay you some attention. You don't think Obama was for? No. Not really. <laughs> this, this is it. I'm clear in what I say and how I say it. There has been no president yeah. that's for the black community. But if that president's plan in any way or policy helps the black community, I'm for that thing. You get what I'm saying? No, I, I rate all U.S. presidents at about a C. Different variations from a C minus down into the D's to 
you know, when you start off with slave masters and presidents, that's a really funky term. Yeah, yeah, you get yeah. what I'm saying? That's a low barrier. So, so I, I, you have to spend your life as a person of color reconciling the fact that the dollars that are in your pocket, the dead men, the slave masters that, are, that, that, that give worth and value to the things you're doing, owns people and that wealth is come. So, you know, when, when we get woke and we get mad and we want to castigate rappers and entertainers and shit, you know, do the right thing with your money. You have Andrew Jackson on your $20 bill that you're tipping the stripper with. He committed <laughs> genocide on people that were from middle of America and that were red and were here before he got here. So you're passing a genocidal bill to pay for your Syrah and your, your knee to get grinded on and you never <laughs> chastise yourself enough to say, I'll only pay by PayPal because I'm protesting. <laughs> Or Greenwood. Greenwood. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm you know, with, with, you, you know, man, in, in matters of money, we had better learn that we're going to have to pack some emotion to the side to accomplish specific goals from a monetary standpoint so that we can take care of ourselves because no one's coming to save us. No, nothing's coming out of the sky to save us. Karma, although it's a nice concept, Evil people live longer, and they seem to be happier. <laughs> George Bush didn't die. He was 90 middle something. So, but you were, you were supporting Bernie Sanders. Absolutely. So you, you were, you, you have progressive, I guess, liberal views. On I, 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 if, 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 if voting for Bernie Sanders takes my taxes up out of the 40s into the 50s, just at 60 years, takes care of the next 25 to 30 years of Americans in terms of education, Healthcare, trade at trade and college education, and basics and, and, and extensive health care, and provide social programs that grow us as a country, I have no aversion to supporting that. And in fact, I think that much of his policy has been raped, robbed, and looted by both parties at this point, versus us getting behind the person who wanted to give us everything we would have needed during this pandemic, including some type of universal income, including some type of healthcare that was universal leading toward it, including, de including decriminalization of marijuana, including um, a federal task force that would have dealt with rural police officers, including all these things that, that, that would have affected us. But because we didn't do it, because we didn't go that move, or because we got robbed of it, or whatever the theory is, then you gotta, you know, you gotta deal with what you got and you better master your coin. You know, because we're in, we're in a system where as much as they want to say they care like Bernie, they don't. And if you're if you're not going to allow me to pay my 10 or 15 extra to let someone like him lead the way, don't get mad that I'm going to try to keep an extra 10 or 15 percent and figure out who the fuck Trump's tax lawyer is so I can be <laughs> on the West Side. You know, <laughs> but I did, I did, you know. I didn't. I didn't vote for the evil person, <laughs> whoever that may be. I want to go back to. I want to go back to Greenwood for a sec because uh, a lot of times, and even in the book, it, it, it dives into the the fact of black banks being put in neighborhoods right where deposits weren't coming in at a frequent rate, and so they had to charge higher interest rates when they weren't loaning out money. Because most people don't really understand how banks make money. The loans is what make. Right. So my thing is like, is Greenwood. Is it going to be similar? Like, how are the interest rates? Are they going to be competing with the, the big banks? Or That's their goal. First, first, first is deposit savings. And so it's steps. This is where we are first. First, the goal is to wipe out check cashing cards, to wipe out the main, um, the main parasites in poor and working class people's lives. So, you know, people here save 20, 40 bucks. It doesn't sound like much to them. But when you're talking about now you can save 10% of your income, what about when that person gets a raise and get 500, get 1,000? Now you're saving 
more money. So that is the attack. And the next phase is in loans and home ownership, automobile ownership, and then the phase after that. So I like the fact that Ryan is, unlike, um, unlike in the past, is not trying to do everything himself at the same time. Mm -hmm. As much as he's seeking and they're talking to allies at this moment, realizing who are they going to get in the business with in terms of partnering with larger institutions that recover, who are the institutions that your money is actually going to be sitting with, and as a platform, what they can do to reduce fees and costs to you, help you become more financially literate, help you to save. Yeah, so I'm thinking that's the first step. Eradicate the check cashing, yeah. which in the back of the day was also the cell phone store. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's level <laughs> Right? That's and then, then we got the deposits and loans. Yeah. And so I guess the next, the last stage would be business loans, small business loans? Yeah, well, small, man, I don't think that's the last stage. I just think that, I just think that if you're going to run nine miles, plot out your first three. Okay. Then plot out your next three and then your final three, right? So that, let's just say those are the first three miles. Yeah, and I saw I read somewhere Ryan said like I think fifty percent of black businesses or oh, black businesses get loans at fifty percent lower rate than white businesses. Something? I think it's um, we're returned yeah at fifty percent lower rates. We're also denied in comparable applications. We're denied twenty one percent of the time, and whites only eight. Okay, so I'm any so I'm assuming that's something that you guys will be trying to eradicate as far as what Greenwood. There's, one, there's definitely going to be, you know, Greenwood is not Superman. It doesn't come in and say, oh, one right, swipe. Right. What it is is a part of the adventures. It's a part of alternative ways now for us to take control of our dollars. And that's everything from a new black credit union that's popping up. That's everything from the traditional black banks that are already in the market, whether it be Citizens Trust or Carver or One United. And that's new platforms and fintech like Greenwood. You know, I'm an advocate for, you know, if you want to, if you want to get to freedom, take a whole lot of buses. You know, don't depend on everyone going in one bus. You know what I'm saying? Andy even told me and Ryan, don't travel together. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just like, what you guys are doing is that's you. Don't even travel together. Because if freedom is the objective, there may be slightly different variations of, but we'll get there, even if it's not at the same time. But I think we need a lot of pistons firing in an engine, not just one. And we have to, we have to begin to end our want or, or need to critique or overly criticize based on a past failure. Because a failure is something you learn from. That, and that's the part. It was like, if people understood their relationship with the money, they would understand. It's like, if my iPhone breaks, I don't say I'm never using Apple again. I'm just going to get another iPhone. You know what I mean? But if we, if like, and I bank with citizens, so shout out to citizens. But if they, like, if they mess up a deposit, it's not like, yo, I'm never banking with them again. I'm going to give them the same leeway. We got to get it fixed. Right. We gotta, and, and again, that's why I tell people, like, one day as a leader, which I wasn't even in the in, in space to be, but AK and other people like that, black women to make you leave. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm going to say, I, my bad, I fucked up. Yeah. You know? You know, let me let me get back on the bus. Let's, yeah. let's figure it out. And that's another reason I constantly consult with people too. You know what I mean? Even before saying yes to this, I called around to to black men who had ran banks. I called around to people working like, "What do you think of this? What's fintech? Help me understand." Mm -hmm. And I got you know at least a, and I already knew you know, I already trusted Andy. I already trusted Ryan because I'd seen him do it. But I just wanted to learn more. I'm gonna constantly like I I found you guys just learning. Just kind of bouncing around, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, this motherfucker look like a 90s RB. <laughs> like, he's like, skin niggas small. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, Showtime and Apollo for the rest of the group. Oh, that is that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> the beige rage, man. The beige <laughs> Nah, I appreciate that. So, what's your, all right, so as far as business, because you're a business owner, 
I am obviously sitting, in we're, we're sitting in a business right now. Yeah. So as you said, um, brick and mortar, especially brick and mortar businesses have been hit tremendously hard yes. since the pandemic, especially black businesses. Over 40% of black businesses have completely closed. So um, what is your opinion? Because I personally think that like some of the problems in the black community as far as businesses that we're too reliant on brick and mortar. Cause that's what we know, right? It's like we know sneaker stores, we know hair salons, we know restaurants, we know barbershops. They're all great because they're service-based businesses. But in times like this, it, it's, it's difficult because you have overhead, you have staff, you have things yeah. of that nature. So now you you're, you're going into the financial space, but you still have a brick and mortar business. Yeah. You think there's a balance between the two for business owners? Or? I mean, I, I think there has to be for certain businesses. You know, I think that people like the congregated fellowship. So you can only keep churches, restaurants, liquor stores. And barbershops close so long, you know. <laughs> them guys don't hang in front of that liquor store. And talk. You know, people are people are going to come to get groomed. Was it essential business? Essential yeah. business. And so yeah. they couldn't even close that, it. Exactly. Liquor stores, man. You can't get drunk. You're gonna go crazy. <laughs> Realize the politicians snicking us off. But um, we we have to change methodology. And here, you come here now. You have a mask, or yeah, we have one available. Take your temperature by appointment only. If we have four people in the chair, it can only be four of the people sitting. So. You know, and my staff is great about that. I got, I got to give them that. They keep it clean. They keep it sanitized. Our bathrooms are always on. That's a stickler of mine. Make sure I judge businesses. Like That's what Bam, Bam was like. Yo, this this might be the cleanest barbershop I've ever seen in my life. Like it's immaculate. Shouts out Celine. What's my new guy's name? Sam. Shouts out to Sam. Shout out to Sam. Celine. I thought Sam was cutting hair. Celine <laughs> is such a pro. He got hired as an intern, paid internship. You know, not not a lot, but it, I would have bought a few pairs. <laughs> but um, Celine um, also has has the talent of camera work. And he said, hey, I've worked myself out of internship. I'm still going to do this type of stuff in the shop, but I'm going to find a comparable replacement and train them. So i got to give him. Those are the type of people you want on team. And I spent a lot of years floundering in barber because what we had, barbering because what we had was people who were used to the old school way in which I cut hair all day, but I don't clean up all day. It was, I, I pay booth rent, so I feel like I'm an independent contractor. But you never have to worry about your air being hot. You never have to worry about it being cold. You never have to, or those things get solved quickly. But you never think about the variation in booth rent every time. That type of stuff. So um, I love working with people that get it. You know what I'm saying? And I love working with people that take cleaning the corners of a building as seriously as they take making sure that the light is on outside and that registers. Because, you know, I have poured a lot into a dream that really is a platform for other people to prosper from. You know, um, I, I want to, I will not have succeeded if we do not do what Chick-fil-A did. Chick-fil-A took a novel concept and gave the first opportunity for franchising to members of the church and members of the family. They gave it to people they knew would take pride in. So Chick-fil-A has always been ran with a different type of pride. You know, Andy Young talks about going and seeing Kathy Truett walk into stores and start cooking himself. You know, that 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 is a mission that's greater than I want to make a lot of money. That has added locations. That has sent kids to college because they got an amazing scholarship fund. People genuinely seem happy when you walk into Chick-fil-A. You going to McDonald's? <laughs> <laughs> that ain't hey no McDonald's. It's just saying you can tell they might not be treated the best. So <laughs> my goal is to much like Chick-fil-A grow ownership right from behind these barber chairs and behind that desk. So, you know, if Salim or Sam or any intern that comes through here grows to become an owner, you know, shouts out to Melissa over with the Hawks who went from being a ball girl, I think, in the NBA for a ball girl, now runs marketing for the Hawks. 
those are the type of stories I want my classmates to create. Okay. And that does come with making money, but that comes from having a team of people that add to that in that way. I think that's why what you're doing, you guys are doing, um, it's so important because you get it, right? Like, you know what it takes to give a loan or to a barbershop or a hair salon. Yeah. These businesses that typically wouldn't get a loan. But you said something interesting now, your dreams, right? So the barbershop, was this a dream? And if so, what what's the next? Because I'm thinking in my mind, like, you didn't know the FinTech, so this kind of just came along and it was a yeah. great opportunity. So what, what, what are the... Yeah, I wanted to own it, but like, I wanted, I want, I knew very young I was late. <laughs> Very young. I was like, this yard work shit. Is <laughs> this is not for the real, man. What are you, what are you talking about? People selling drugs out here, grandma. What are you talking about? <laughs> I see my nigga make $300. <laughs> my grandmother gave me that ragged ass lawnmower. I'm going, you know, pushing fucking moors for 25, 20 bucks. And then old people, like, after they see you do it quick, they like, maybe I shouldn't get it for me. <laughs> this nigga toiled off. Scoot on. You know, you don't think, oh, People can slick you, but they'll finesse you on the west side. But when my mom took me to Decatur, you know, my mom lived in the cab. Those people didn't mind paying 20 bucks. There was a kid living next door to me, didn't mind getting paid 10. So I would charge George 25. You know what I mean? I'd give him 10, keep 15. He's my lawnmower. I got to do maintenance on this motherfucking dog. And <laughs> um, so I learned very early that figure out the deal and figure out who's smarter. My mom had a good business mind. You know what I mean? She, um, she, she was always about not working and figuring out ways to, she was a florist by nature, which means she was an artist. Um, she, she dated very successful, she dated a very successful, successful drug dealer who opened up businesses as well. So she was just always thinking. So, you know, for me, it's like, what's my next thing? My next thing is mastering the thing that I started before I find a next thing. Mm -hmm. You know, the banking made sense, but I've been peeking and poking around there for the last six, seven years. So this came and dropped in my lap, but it was too perfect not to do. And it's really a matter of me just getting out and getting the message out, getting the message out, letting people know, hey, we're here, we're here. You have an option that doesn't lead you to the check cash in place after you get your summer camp job, right? Mm -hmm. That's easy enough to do. It's, 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 it's daunting getting up at 6.30 in the morning because people with money are getting up early watching TV. You know what I'm saying? By the time 7, 9 o'clock traffic hit, they already in front of they tell They've done what they had to do. So that part is like, okay, this is a this is like a real job. I gotta wake up. But the brick and mortar stores that we do in terms of these shops, and I call them stores because what I learned really early is if I'm dependent on barbers and booth rent, I'm going to fail. I'm going to close because people's lives is happening. You don't know whose child needs what. You don't know what emergencies are coming up with their parents. A lot of barbers are talented people. They're making money on the quick. So they like regular artists or entertainers or tradesmen are responsible for more people than themselves. You know, so I started to not understand because I still got to pay my rent, but I started to see the glitch in the matrix. So we are transitioning to a commission shop, right? So I've been talking to people like the owner of Sports Clips. I've been talking to people like who worked at Floyd's and Rudy System, getting it as we sharpen our system. But what kept us open and kept us prospering and went from being just a pet project that I wanted to have a barbershop so I could have a guy's place to hang as long as it paid for myself, my business partner and wife. You know, as long as it paid for itself, she wasn't going to give me too much trouble. You know, my managers had sat down like, no, it's paying for itself. You know, you make a, you make a grand or two after booth rent and all your bills paid. So it was like, cool. I was like, but then I'm like, you know what? Like when I'm sitting in a barbershop, I oftentimes, I just need a t-shirt. 
Like I just went and picked up some crack Air Forces and I, I got to go to the BP. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to go to the BP. I got to go to the BP. I got to get Jerome a dollar. I don't even want no gas. <laughs> they t-shirt quality whack. I don't feel like going to DTLR. So I started saying, why we not selling t-shirts? Yeah. We started selling t-shirts. And then it goes from fussing and fighting with the barber about some monies they don't or don't have or how short or short they short to knowing I'm doing thousands of months in merchandise. And I start to understand that not only are we a barber shop, we're a cultural center. And the swag shop, unlike most barber shops with shave, wash, and groom, have the actual culture of barbering. So our faces are painted red like a London-style barber shop. Mm-hmm. Our pole is red like a London-style barber shop. Once you get in, we try to keep it very simple in terms of what you see with the barbers. We use very, you know, with manly stuff. You can grab this stuff out of Cine Sears, Amazon, order it, it drops. We have art, because I'm a fan of art. Chris Hobay did this from Art with folks. He also did the bag. We keep things very simple, very clean, very tasteful, very manlike. And then we get you here. Come and look at the cool shit you can buy to match mm-hmm. the Nikes you just got from Walters or the <laughs> outfit from what's happening or which. We have a symbiotic relationship with other small businesses in which we want to make merch. The Travis, the Travis, uh, the Travis Scott's drop, the colorway is no accident. Mm-hmm. You understand what yeah. I'm saying? And I know that everybody doesn't want to wear the exact same outfit to the club. So our customers get exclusives, one of 150 made, one of 250 made. You know, our staple shop shirt sale. We got a Transformers. We got a Starscream shirt. Your barbershop ain't got no fucking Starscream shirt. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't even know if they know Starscream. That was my favorite character. Come on, man. You got to see the one with the two razors. We'll make yeah, you do the senior one. So what, what we're in the business of doing now is making sure that not only do you get a shave, wash, and groom, a proper shave, wash, and groom, because you just sitting there getting a dry haircut is an experience you might argue about sports. But a shave, wash, and groom is the only 30 minutes to an hour that the black man or American working class man gets. That's just his. Your wife, know what I told my wife? I'm putting my shit on motherfucker. <laughs> Don't call me. I'm in the barbershop. <laughs> this, is your, this is your country club. And so... <laughs> After you get that cut and that exchange happens, now you get here and you get to take a piece of that culture in the real world with you. And what you're also about to start seeing from us is content. We work with actual artists. Ian Clare um, is an artist we work with. Chris Hovey is an artist. Scott Fuller is a graphic designer we work with. So as we drop stuff, you're going to see this stuff now leave. And this is, you know, when, when we talk about Sean Rashad, we're talking about, to me, two of the most influential black men walking the face of the earth. It means something that you're in this shirt, because this shirt needs to say, because on the back of the your hard. work ethic determines your worth, right? These men prove that work ethic determines your worth. It actually proves that. So in the real world, I want this culture to leave from behind the counter and go in the real world and create positive and systemic change. You know what this reminds me of, Troy, somebody that we interviewed? Recently, can yeah. you guess? I, I know what you're gonna say. Say it. Yeah. So another hip hop legend, especially where we come. <laughs> I know from. What you're gonna say. We haven't dropped this interview yet, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna let the cat out to that. Shout out to Styles P. Styles P. That's the man. Fuck you talking about? <laughs> the ghost man. Get out of here. <laughs> ghost. Oh, yeah, the ghost. Exactly. So it's crazy because you know he has a juice bar. Yes, I know. And, and Yonkers, and uh, we went. We did the interview in the juice bar, and he was telling us how. Well, actually, before he got there, the staff was telling us how it changed the whole culture in the community, yeah, like. Yeah. People come and they, they look forward to getting a juice Absolutely. and and it's like and then he was his wife him and his wife was telling us now they not only do the, the juices but they got the online juice yes. and they got the merch and they got the whole thing they turn into a whole business so it's, it reminds me of the same thing it's like not only are you it's a cultural thing like you just said it's a culture for the community 
but you're integrated vertically. Rest in peace to Nip. That's what I was about. I'm going because I'm like, yo, this is now, like, when we went to uh, L.A., we had to go to the marathon store. Me too. Right? Absolutely. And so it was like, it becomes a cultural landmark. Absolutely. And so, like, you know, I saw Nipsey out here. I'm like, yo, that's what you've created. Absolutely. A cultural landmark was like, now when you come to Atlanta, you have to come. Absolutely. When you go to Yonkers, yo, the ju- where's the juice bar at? You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? And it provides not only opportunity for you, but also provides opportunity for the communities. Because the next thing, it was like, yo, how do we grow? Because maybe this merch sells out so fast, now you got to get a factory. But that also hires. Well, now that maybe, we're, we're in the, this Friday, or this Friday or next Friday, I go about an hour north of here um, to look at screen pressing machines as I own a garage not exactly. far from here. And, you know, if you say, let's, let's use round numbers, right? Drug dealer talking. So we're, <laughs> we're going to use a $10,000 number, right? So you made $10,000 last month. Your employees, hey, you made $10,000. What I've learned from my wife, whose grandmother ran a liquor shot house, right? They think numbers. They, you see a pint, they know how much each shot out that pint costs and how much they should make off this pint. She says, well, I say, well, how much it costs us to make the 10? Because if it costs us seven to make the 10, I only paid three. Yeah. I want to make, I want to put three in and make seven out. I want to change that, right? So I said, how can I cut costs? Because I'm looking at the shirts. We like a lot of color, but the more color you use, the more expensive shirts are. I said, man, the fuck this shit. <laughs> I said, I know somebody got laid off a furlough and fucked up. I know it's somebody that can run an edit. I know it's somebody that can run a screen print operation. I got a building. Why don't I just go buy my own machine? Mm-hmm. So we're in the process of doing that right now. Right? I, I, I love Rick Ross as a businessman. Rick Ross got 300 Sunday, got Holyfield on shit. <laughs> the first question, the nigga like, I'm lazy. Nigga, who gonna cut the fucking grass? <laughs> Rick Ross starts a grass cutting company. The way he's shouting out John D, I'm sure they gave that nigga some free tractors. <laughs> and now his homeboys that would say, hey man, let me hold the son saying, let me get a job. Because yeah. most people want the dignity of having a job. And now he has a way to cycle his money within his own ecosystem. Mm-hmm. Maybe he got Trump's tax lawyer. Shots out there. <laughs> you, you want know? that lawyer. Me too. And, and now he's able to put the people around him on staff. He's able to big up John Deere. Well, he got to have a deal. Rose, you got to tell I need the John Deere. <laughs> like you know? you yeah, I'm just about four acres <laughs> in. But boy, I, I need a tractor bag. But um, so that that's it. You have to start. You learn to do that. You learn to get in the game at first. And then start saying, well, what can I produce? What can I do? You know, yeah. so whether it's Jay, um, who got us to, into doing lighters. So, you know, big lighters are not cheap, but they're all the lighters I use. But people are willing to pay. You know, it's easy to sell nicks. Factory, you know, it's harder to sell dime. But, you know, it's easy to sell It's easy to sell nicks. If the work's uh, good, yeah, like, you sell know, the stuff. So we, we, we have... The specialty items that are synonymous with Killer Mike, if you watch Trigger Warning, you want to know where to get Cripple Cola and Blood Pop, well, just pop up at the shop. Just about to pop, go to the store. Care. You get your Cripple Cola and Blood Pop, and more than likely, you're going to say, well, let me grab a new era. Let me grab a lighter. White woman came in last week. I just popped up in the shop. I just popped up in. White woman, man, spent 200 and some odd dollars. God bless her beautiful cat dinner talk listening to in the 80s. So this was the coolest mom ever in the middle of this shop with all black guys. Nobody looking menacing, but she was just like, my son loves y'all. And I, I wanted to come in. He's a run the jewels fan. I'm like, you are the coolest motherfucking mom ever. <laughs> we took a great pick, but that type of stuff happens more often than not. And um, I realized with the swag shop. And, you know, a lot of people say it's a brand. It absolutely is a brand, but it's a brand based around the culture of black and working class barbershops. And what my ambition is to have 
Um, my small ambition is to have 153 in every major black market. That's from Buffalo to Miami, from Los Angeles to Charlotte, to have three and to, to expand. I, I, I see now as I learn more about this game and I see Floyd's and Rudy's and Supercuts and Great Flips, I don't see any reason why we can't get in excess to 500. You know, so, so at this point, I'm thinking, when people see you, do they even think about music or the first thing they think about is like, Yo, well, Run the Jewels is top 10 on the Billboard 200. Right. We, um, we, we, we sold a lot of records. We just did an Adult Swim special, our only performance this year that's on HBO Max for a month. Yeah. Uh, we're arguably the greatest rap duo in, in the world right now. So I think that people know me for music, but I'm more encouraged that people know me for more than music. Right. So my family's from Tuskegee, Alabama. And if you talk about Lionel Richie, of course, you start singing and people start thinking of great records. My family's a landowner family. So what my aunties remind you of, you know he bought he bought a lot of LLA babies. He did something with his money. He didn't just give it all to children. So first, stop having children out of wetlock. And then buy some land like Lionel Richie. You know, and, and I can attest to that because I was talking to a billionaire three days ago and he said one of the most savvy business people I know is an entertainer named Lionel. He called him Lionel. You know, white folks say Lionel. 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 <laughs> white folks say you got fast. Lionel. Rich Hank. Rich Hank. No, that's dope. And I, even when we interviewed a barber before, and he gave me an idea I never thought about. I go to barber shops my whole life, and he was like, how many times you see the barber selling hair grease, selling brooms, uh, selling a brush, selling a yeah. comb? We sell. Like, yeah, it's like, but you would think, like, that would, that makes sense. That makes complete sense. It's like, why would I have to leave the barbershop yeah, to buy I hate going grease. into beauty stores with my wife. Uh, so I, I, we started brushing. I hate going into beauty stores to buy my grease. So we'll make sure everybody gets a brush and stuff too. But beyond that, um, I found a black company based here in Atlanta that, that does private labeling that you sit down with, let them know what you want. They create a line for you and we've got our own line created. And we'll be using a black company as our source locally to supply our lines. So by Christmas Day, you'll be able, you'll be able to get a package to take care of your skin, your beard, your face, and all that. Because as a guy, man, I'm just simple. I go to the mall, or again, I go to Walters or Wish, or or I go to um, Sneaker Cartel, and I get my kicks. I don't feel like doing other shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want to get, oh, man, I'm in the shop. I got all my... Oh, give me that kill your masters. Give me, give me that kill your masters. Give me that brush. And uh, I need some grease. One-stop shop. One-stop shop, man. Because I sat in my barbershop on the south side, the OG shop, and I'm sitting there, you know, slightly stoned, just observing, <laughs> observing things. And I see a guy come in selling socks. I see a woman come in selling juices. I see another guy coming in selling shit he stole from CVS. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then I'm saying, this isn't just a shop. This is a store. But I, and, and then you know I got it. Where it was like again, where did I learn business? The trap. <laughs> I start taxing people. Oh, you come to my shop. I got to have. I got to have ten. What don't make no money? That ain't got nothing to do with me. You in my shop spinning. So then they start serving on the outside of the door. So now I say, well, hey man, you're on my curb. You got to give me five. But you're not gonna come here and, and not face some taxation because every 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 month, man, this man wants this money, man. And this woman I sleep with tonight, this fine, beautiful woman, she liked money probably as much as she liked me. And she liked me before I had money. So I can't go to her telling her, baby, we ain't good. You got to pay me for it. And that's when I got the understanding that we're not a barbershop, we're a store. How's the Cola and the Blood Pop doing? Selling out daily. Shouts out to um, Thug. He took a picture with the big homie Bear Low. Um, he took a bunch of blood pop up. This studio session last night. Okay. Sound, sound. So shouts out to 
Tip, shouts out to Thug, shouts out to Savage. They all is Jay is Jay partnered with you on that or I know he had purchased some and put it in a lyric, and I was like, okay. Yeah, man, he, he gave us a shout-out. Like, man, to get a free Jay-Z shout-out, <laughs> man, I'm like, I owe Jay for life. If, <laughs> if Jay calls me tomorrow and says I want in, then get, what are we doing, sir? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, it, it, it's, it's still fledgling. We're still building it. Um, we're still very proud of it, and we're determined to make it something. I think that there is room in the market for the brands that we've built up with street fraternities, with neighborhood cliques, with dope sayings, you know what I'm saying? There should be an old boy cologne. I don't fuck with nobody saying. Yeah. Cam is fly. <laughs> Cam, Cam can sell cologne as easily as Johnny Depp. You know what I mean? Remember the old Johnny Depp shirt and sell cologne? <laughs> yeah, like Cam could do that. So my thing is, you have to do it for it to be done. So Cripple Cola and Blood Pop are real things. Right now, you can buy them anywhere exotic pop is sold. Exotic Pop has been doing a dope job of getting it out there. You can buy it at the locations, at the Swag Shop locations, and a few more places. And you want to, you know, our goal is to go national. How you doing with stocks? I've seen a couple. Yeah, that's, that's a my wife question. Uh, Again, yeah, man, yeah, I, you know, yeah, see, yeah. I bought her after, like, I bought, I bought Shay. These are the kind of gifts I get my wife, right? So, like, if I'm just, like, in Linux, I went into the Apple Store and grabbed some sneakers. I'm going to probably stop by Victoria's Secrets, grab, like, the panties and bras because I like to see them, right? I'm probably, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm probably going to go, you know, pop up at one of the high-end purse stores because that's just happy at this point, and I like seeing a happier face. But you do that so many times, and you're just like, you know, this is, it's, it, it doesn't hit as hard because a woman, you know, like my woman, she likes security. She likes the purses, the boots, and that stuff, but within the last few years, I've gotten more about, let me buy you things that appreciate. So I bought her her grandmother's original house. I bought her a duplex um, in, a, in an empowerment zone. I bought a set of apartments. I bought a lot of cool things for her. Um, well, the apartment I bought for us. The other stuff I bought just for her, because I wanted her to be able to make, I told her early on, if you quit your job and just work helping me do me, I'll, I'll guarantee you $120,000 off that. So I was like, I, you get my goal is to make sure you make $10,000 a month that ain't got shit to do with me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a few months ago, she came to me and showed me a piece of paper and said, you know you got me there. I've never acknowledged it. I just want to tell you, thank you. I love you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But my wife. Did she ask for a raise? No. No. I but I started buying her stocks and just uh, just S and P five hundred stocks, just no, like no. you know stuff that I know we're gonna always use. My grandparents were just regular working class folks, but they bought me Coca Cola and Delta stocks because those were two of the biggest companies here. They knew those companies weren't going anywhere, so. I don't know as much about stocks as she does, but I know she's been very happy. Okay. <laughs> so, but and I, and I bought her a lot of it. So, dope, dope. so from Tuskegee, Alabama, right? That's where yeah, my, my grandmother's family, the black to, to be in this moment where you have tens of thousands of people signing up for your new venture. Over 110,000. 110,000. I mean, let's talk about the evolution. How does that feel at this moment? It, it feels exactly. My great grandfather's father was using the Tuskegee experiment. My great-grandparents were sharecroppers. My grandmother um, also sharecropped until they bought their own land. They own 33 acres in Tuskegee that we still currently own. Lumber companies pay us to cut down trees and use the wood. So about, you know, January, had got a $500 check, bought me and my son some J's. <laughs> Actually, I didn't get no J's, but it was time for him. He grew. He had a growth spurt. 
And, you know, it was good to see that something my great-grandparents worked their butt off. You know, they really, they really worked, they really worked fingers to the bone. My great-grandmother argued with her husband that she didn't give a damn if it was, you know, picking season, time to harvest everything, that her children were going to school, just like them white folks did. So my grandmother and them were able to go to school, and my great-grandmother had to work doubly and triply as hard as a woman. And her and my great-grandfather provided a platform for their children to then come to Atlanta to not need or want to educate themselves and to become working-class nurses, mechanics, you know, um, just the American dream, just able to buy a home, maybe have a rental property, take your kids on vacation. I really had the chocolate version of the American dream thanks to my grandparents raising My grandfather grew up, his father abandoned him at 10 years old. He had to raise his two sisters with his mother very hard times. Um, his brother-in-law brewed moonshine. He ran moonshine to Atlanta. His cousin had a shot house in Atlanta. You know, my grandfather had a radically different life, but was one of the most kind and sweet men you'll ever want to meet. But he was ultimately a libertarian in his thoughts and views. He wanted the government not involved in his life. He wanted the least amount of taxes as possible. And he wanted the opportunity to fish hunt and left the fuck alone. You know, he took care of him and his family and he took care of his neighbors. If we went and caught 50 crappy and walleye, those fish were cleaned by my sisters and grandmothers in the back. They were frozen. We kept 25. The other 25 were distributed in packs of four of the fives to the poor and elderly around us. So, you know, for me, my family ingrained in me what you should be as a man. My job is to first and foremost take care of myself mentally, physically, and spiritually. That's why I hate to be in the gym in the morning, but I go. That's why I drink water instead of coke, because I want to live a long time to see my grandkids. And that's why I take care of my money, because I don't want my grandkids working from a place of treading water to try to get to land. I would rather they start on the beach so that they can build refuge and help the other people that are coming in have something, you know. So I, did, I am doing what my great-grandfather and grandmother did, what my grandparents did, and what my mother and father have done. And I'm being responsible to myself and my family and accountable to my community. Well, that's powerful. So as far as Greenwood, I know you guys haven't launched yet, but... Can people, like, are they signing up? It's like yeah, a pre-order? You're on the waiting list. You're on the wait, waiting list. list. Yeah, you're jumping up on the waiting list now, and every, the, the, the amusement park opens up. <laughs> Is it providing jobs? So, like, if somebody wants to work on the other end, so, like, I That's know. What, yeah, they, they are hiring people now. They, they, they've they actually poked some great minds from one of the big, well, a couple of the big four institutions, and I think more people are being brought on. But I can get Ryan, too, to answer yeah. Ryan specifically. We actually, um, shout out to Lou Tucker, my guy, Lou, out here. He, um. He actually was just talking to Ryan, and yeah. um, so we're gonna have a call with him next week. That's good. Ryan's so a great that, guy. That'd be dope too. Great business mind. Cause yeah, yeah, I'm sure that. Cause I, I, I had some questions even about like the ATM. Like you could take money out of an ATM, right? Yeah. So that that's dope. Yeah. So it's like for people, cause most people are just so used to just brick and mortar banks. Yeah. That I like brick and mortar still. Yeah. Like, I like going. I have both though. Like yeah, I, I, I have a Capital One account which is online, so now I got it. I got to Yeah, you got to rock. You got to rock. You got a lot of money, too. Look at you. <laughs> you. ain't no poor man Pumas, man. Find another right there, man. <laughs> so I want to ask you one more question before we wrap, because you yes, said sir. something that was very interesting a while ago. I saw in the interview your thoughts on education, because Troy used to be an educator. Well, he I still is an educator. Yeah, I know, man. I love But he used to be a public yeah. school teacher. We had a whole argument after we watched your episode. Yeah, we had a whole... Because <laughs> me and him is like complete opposites when it comes to school. He yeah. worked in schools for his whole life, pretty yeah. much. And I'm like the anti-school person, even though I, I do have a college degree. I was about to say, you're the smart nigga. <laughs> How this nigga ain't for a degree? But, but you, the thing, you work the, in finance. The, the thing about it is I feel like self-education has taught me so much more than 
formal education. So you would be my grandfather. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I told my grandfather I got in more house. He was like, mm-hmm. can you build your house? <laughs> you know I, mean? I was like, Nah, actually, I can't. <laughs> I told him his perspective is always jaded because he's speaking from a place now. Yeah. I knew him when he was in sixth, seventh grade. Yeah. I knew him when he was in ninth grade. He needed to be there, right? Not even, <laughs> right? So not even from like an academic standpoint, but from the social environment and some of the academics. His thing is like, Honestly. yo, after eighth grade, it don't even matter. And I'm like, yo, nah, we kind of still need something. Some things why, we don't need. Why I think school matters. I'm a name some names. Stanley Pritchard, Robert Hitch. Pitts, Chief Judge Asha Jackson, Cameron Dollar, Michael Rinder, Tip Harris, uh, Keisha Lance Bob, Michael Julian Bob, Marvin Arrington III, uh, Derek Rinder. All these people are pretty elite amongst having accomplished things in Atlanta. The first five or six people I named were direct classmates of mine. So I was socialized around NCAA champions, chief judges, um, professional football players and businessmen. And I was socialized and educated around these people when we were in the sixth grade and seventh grade and eighth grade. And I knew I could be a rapper because I knew my friend could play the fuck out of basketball. So if, <laughs> if Cameron Dollar, who went on to one of the NCAA UCLA, championships, yeah, for sure. yeah, right? So Cam is my man. Me and Cam were, were elementary school rivals. All we did was fight. Like, I just, that's we fought. And I give I credit Cameron a lot for challenging me yeah. as a kid. Like he challenged this shit. That's just for nothing. We were both two little chubby guys. He had a mean crossover. <laughs> I had nothing. So, they, but Cameron Dollar was they, they, so, um, they beat Arkansas. Yeah, it, yeah Cam, Cameron was, is an amazing testament to a winner's mentality because his dad was one of the most winning coaches in the state. He coached at Frederick Douglass High School. Okay. So Cam Cam really sharpened me in terms of saying letting me know that. All your friends ain't gonna gently encourage you. So I'm gonna push the shit out of you. So we played, you know, on a team, Cam didn't like losing. So Cam, if I had to be on his team, he was pushing me the whole game. Like, so chubby ass now, ain't <laughs> So I remember Asha telling us at 12, she's gonna be the mayor and a lawyer. And we were like, fucking man, what are you talking about? The mayor's not even a girl. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> man, Asha is a fucking chief judge of Cal probably one of the most powerful women in the state of Georgia. They just took a program she created and made this statewide program. And I'm just like, she told us. Asha pushed me to go to a dinner last week. At the dinner is a friend of mine, the late, I mean, not the late former mayor of Atlanta, Uncle Sing Reed, all these other prestigious black men, just to have a conversation with one another. That's how much she cares about me that she pours into my cup. So school in terms of socialization, most people who look like us have to wait until they go to a historically black college university to get that type of encouragement. I got that encouragement in third grade from fighting cameras. <laughs> sixth grade from my best friend, Robert Hicks. And ninth grade from now Chief Judge Asha Jackson. My greatest economic encourager was a man named William or Bill Murray. He's an art teacher at Frederick Lovett High School. He's a reason that, I'm a, that I love art and just said, I figure out a way to make money. Doing it. I love art, right? He also was the first person to tell all these little wannabe dope boys. They sent me to his, his, his art class twice. That was smart, but I had like I like to fight. Oh, you said fuck out. Let's get it. Let's, let's do it. We brought from his school, out of school, suspension. Right. So they just sent me to him twice a day. Send him at the beginning and the end of the day, man. We don't safety precautions. So, yeah, I'm in I'm in this I'm in Mr. Murray's class. Mr. Murray's the first person to say, buy land, buy the dome. Because he understood that 
the bluff. The bluff is where people went to buy heroin and die. But he understood that that land being sold at that time, $1, $5, the city just needed to get it off, was going to become valuable. That land is the same place that my wife convinced me not to buy a demon and buy that apartment in. And buying that without having touched it, it went from a $250,000 investment to being worth in excess of $700,000. So he prepared me for that. He's the same person that calls me now, like, come pick something out of my garden, you need to eat healthier. Like, so he, like you, is just an educator. That's what he is. But he was the first person to help us understand as little wannabe D-boys and players and pimps and whatever we thought we wanted to be, you know, that, that you, money is a tool or a weapon to be used. It's not something that you just put gold, gold fronts in from Dr. Joffrey <laughs> and wear a starter jacket and some feelers and be the coolest in school. It's, it's a tool for you to use. Mr. Murray never really worried about the rules of school because he was co-owner of Murray Brothers Funeral Home. He owned land at another dome when he used a park. Like, it, people ain't gonna never stop dying. If you bury people, you're gonna stay, you're gonna be good. Yeah. You know, a long time. So, I, he went to Booker T. Washington High School. Notice the names of the high schools I'm saying, too. Yeah. Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington. Yeah. Booker T. Washington educated Lena Horn and Martin Luther King. Educated, most of the educators that educated me. Educated Mr. Murray, then he went to Morris Brown College. Mr. Bra Mr. Murray gave me a scholarship to Morris Brown. I choose to take a scholarship at Morehouse instead. Morris Brown's back? No, it's coming back. Dr. Kevin is bringing that one back. So Morris Brown's back. Just look at all the black confidence builders that I encountered every step of the way. You know, Herman Russell, the largest black real estate developer in the Southeast, built the only skyscraper in our skyline that has a step. I think it's the George Pacific building. Only black developer, I think, to build that. Lived five streets back from me. I grew up in a little working class house that buffered them, you know, from projects. And then they lived in the inner enclave. You know, I, I joke and I laugh about the Blue Flame, but the Blue Flame is owned by Michael Cato, whose father was Mr. Cato. What did Mr. Cato do? We don't know. But, <laughs> but paper bags got delivered to the marching organizers so that the buses could get paid for hmm. and people could get killed. I mean, people wouldn't get killed, that they were protected by people like the Deacons of Defense. You know, that happened because of people like Mr. Cato. You know, people that the, the good, bougie black folks were frowned upon. You know, my dad told me one time about working booking when Mr. Cato came in and had been arrested. I said, what did you say? He was drunk as Scooter Brown would say, them diamonds that he was wearing was blinded. Everybody said, <laughs> he was such a gentleman. He went down and sat and folded his legs across. And I said, what happened here? Dad said, eventually a Jewish lawyer came and he got right out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I just, I, those are the stories and the characters I've grown up with. I just wrote a letter for a person named Stephen Jones. And he's another big part of the reason we're sending this barbershop. Um, I ran in Adamsville. So the front, my grandmother's front door, Adamsville, was that way, and her back door, Bankhead. So Tip grew up a few streets from me, so he ran more on Simpson than Bankhead. Okay. I had a great grandmother on Simpson, so I didn't want to be on Simpson. So <laughs> my auntie was in Adamsville, so I was getting out of trouble I wanted to. But Steve, I used to go to, who was from Going Home, he was from Shorty Lowe's Adamsville. Steve was 23 years old, already had 23, 24 houses, rental properties, already had tow trucks, already. I had barbershops, and he would allow me to just kind of sit, and he'd just give me game. Like, my cousin cut. My cousin Jimmy actually was cutting in his shop, and he just, you know, I was like, I was a chubby little black kid, big buck, two smile, white smile, but he was the first person to tell me, um, just get you one little chain. He said, say, wear a Rolex. He said, like a white man. He said, you wear a Rolex. He said, that's white folks, jewelry. You know, they ain't gonna tell you that. He said, but you know, he said, keep you a white shirt. So Steve would wear Crease guest jeans, a stiff white shirt, a polo style shirt, very simple presidential Rolex he had on. But if you knew money, you knew he had something. Mm -hmm. 
So I just would just sit there and I'd sit there and he'd be talking to me and dudes be bringing him McDonald's bags full of cash. But he just impart all this wisdom. Never offered for me to be a runner for him. Never offered me no plays. But he just poured a practical wisdom. And for whatever reason, I don't know. But 20 years removed from that, you know, he gives a 30 years removed from that. I get a chance to write the judge on his behalf and say, you know, please allow this man to come home. You know what I'm saying? Because if he comes home, I can guarantee you that I'll help him have employment. And, 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 and many of the lessons that he was learning illegally, he passed on to me and I have been able to use them for the betterment of the community. So he is, he, he has a redeeming factor. So that's, I, that's one of the proudest moments. And I don't know, because I haven't heard back from the judge yet, and I haven't heard back from Steve, but Steve did get the letter, the judge got the letter, but I'm hoping that How long has he been inside? Um, I think he's rounding up on 10. He had got out for a while. Okay. They snatched him back. Yeah, God bless everybody inside, man. Yeah, for man. Sure. God bless everybody. For sure. Killer Mike, man. It's been an honor and a pleasure. You're a gentleman and a scholar. We, every music artist we got to do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, not, not freestyling, my oh, No, 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 no. I'm not even going to say Get that. your cash. <laughs> Get it fast. <laughs> Greenwood, baby, we on your ass. <laughs> yeah. Bars. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm not going to ask the best artists from Atlanta. I'm just going to say, what are the three greatest albums that have come out of Atlanta? The that's three greatest hip-hop albums. Good question. Good question. That have come out of Atlanta? Good question. Oh. That's a tough one. I would say the greatest hip-hop albums to come out of Atlanta. Probably gonna be tight if you don't say one. <laughs> I know which one you're gonna think of too. Um, can I give you mine first? Yeah, yeah. From a New York perspective? Yeah. All right. So I'll start. And I'll start with uh, uh, Equimini. I think Equimini is probably number one for me. I think. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm not gonna say trap music because I think King is a better album. I'll say that. And then I will say for me, just on a personal level, I got to go. I'm going to go back to Outkast. But I'm going to speak about Love Below. But Dre's part, Dre's Andre 3000's album. I listen to Big Boys, but the Andre 3000 side. Let me, can, I, can I get my three? Go ahead. I know you know, you're you know off the rip, You know, off the rip, trap music. I know you're going to say trap music. Rip, trap music changed the game a whole lot. Thug Motivation 101. Ooh, I thought, oh my God. Scratch, scratch. Thug Motivation. Thug Motivation. And then, of course, you know, the greatest, one of the greatest albums of all time, Confessions. I said hip hop, though. It's hip hop. No, you got to get a rap. You got to get a rap. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. That was a light skin. That's Atlanta. That's Atlanta. Shout out to Usher, man. I mean,. <laughs> so what's your, what's, your, what's your top three? That's a New York uh, perspective. I, I don't I don't really have a top three. That you that you grew up on. Maybe maybe just whatever. Just but your I favorite mean, I, whatever. I, I'll just say artists that um I'll I'll give I'll give artists that I think deserve recognition that that never get named because the big machine uh weren't behind yet. And I'll give you three artists that matter a lot in Atlanta. Um Kilo Ali. So when you hear that, uh, 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 ah, in any of those songs about, they know it. Um, <laughs> that that is that is that is Kilo that is Kilo Ali, and he was as daring and brave 
and singing as Andre 3000 ever was, and weirdly dressing before Andre 3000, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so Hilo is, is definitely to be heralded. Um, DJ Toon, Ooh. and I, I connect him because DJ Toon was there doing MC Shadi, who was a transplant from the Bronx here, who came to Atlanta and kind of set off that the possibility it can happen. He was the DJ and making um, beats back then. So Jesus was on. He, he also yeah. went to work at um, Uncle Luke Records for a while, and then he ended up inventing, co-inventing the sound for what we call trap music. Trap music. My good friend T.I., yeah. who made your list and rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, and so that's Kilo Ali, um, that's DJ Toon, yeah. and I'd like to give a person an outcast some shine because he's one of the greatest DJs in the world. He's one of the greatest musical conductors of one of the greatest groups in the world. But although never considered a part of the group, is instrumental in why they put on amazing live shows, and that's DJ Cutmaster Swift, mm -hmm. who also comes down and cuts for us and is featured on the new Ben and Jerry's Holy Kalama Boat collaboration with One of the Jewels that's on HBO Max all month. Mm -hmm. he, he cuts on Goonies versus DT, and just so people can get some context, it's the equivalent of having Slash come out and just play oh. guitar your shit because he likes you and doesn't charge you for it. So I would say those three people yeah. have had a bigger effect. And you can argue albums because when you're going to talk about it, you know, you leave out people like Chris Cross, Jermaine and them kind of kick That's the door open. That's good. I thought and then, about and then like without Chris Cross, you don't get outcast. Without outcast, you don't get the often left off of this Goody Mob. Goody Mob. Goody Mob. They got most of the bullshit. Yo, they just played yeah. Cold uh, Their cool second Reeves. album was, was on the radio. so amazing. Exactly. Yeah. The second album was even wilder and iller than the first album, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So you have you, you're leaving off you're leaving off them. You leave off Dillo Mafia, Trey from the Deck, who was amazing. Mm -hmm. You know the Ludacris. And, had, and, he had and, a run. I, had I, a I was run. getting to Luda, and also not mentioned in the Atlanta context. Although Jeezy from Atlanta by way of this way he got it in originally from Macon. Yeah. There's a little further even south in Macon, a place called or Albany, Georgia, that produced a group called Field Mob. That Ooh, two of the country yeah, is yeah, yeah. that yeah, was yeah, yeah. in terms of. Accent, and they will out-rap a Christmas rapping rapper with eight R's. Smoke and Sean J are two of the greatest lyricists ever produced from Georgia Red Clay. So for me, there's a whole list of people that you never think, but I, I definitely acknowledge and, and agree with What about the, the new guys? Including Usher. I, I rock with Usher. <laughs> That's my dog. New dudes. What new dudes do yeah. I like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I like the new wave, man. I'm a, like, I don't know if you can even call like Thug new anymore. I love mm -hmm. Thug. I, I love what Savage just dropped. I love I love what Sunny Digital and Metro Boomin created. Metro Boomin, sound. I love Metro Boomin. Cuz Lightyear is a young artist I love. Rest in peace to an artist named Bag, who was from the Cater Eritrean Brothers, who um who died in the car accident. He was absolutely amazing. Ra Ra is another guy. Earth Gang. Miss Lotto, Big Lotto is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I can't forget to shout out Walk too. Gucci, 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 Gucci is one the of game the game yeah, Gucci. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. by way of giving people opportunity. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think oftentimes, especially from Malik, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he's giving people opportunity, like, um, like, and and, and, yeah. it's, and it's probably going to be in the in the sanctity of having blessed people in this lifetime. So yeah. I got to give that Gucci. And all the guys that have made it big here have blessed people. I, I got to say that Gucci though constantly. Is is co-signing what it seems the next wave is, and I really and I really see that, and you can see it in the people he's imparted wisdom with. You look at Lil Baby now. When I ask my that's my, my, my son, that's Lil my guy. I love Baby. That's my Not only because he's rapping his ass off, he's wise beyond his years. Yeah. I asked my son, Pony Boy. I was like, Pony, who you like right now? He was like, Rollo. I said, Free Rollo. He said, Yeah, they said, I like Rollo. The Rollo that's locked up. Free Rollo. 
who's from Simpson. Mm -hmm. But there's another kid out of Alabama, I think, that he was like, check him out. And I think he's on Baby's label too. Yeah, baby, that's cool. my so, yeah. baby is absolutely that's the guy for me. Raw. City girl, even though he's not from Atlanta, yeah. QC, dope, you know, but we've had great artists, man. Rest in peace to Grip Fly. You know what I'm saying? Future, you know, I say, yeah. you know, I dungeon family. He comes under the dungeon family. Absolutely. Migos. 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 Legendary. Legendary. Amazing. 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 I knew they was going to be one of it. I used to tell them this at the airport when I see them. I'll sit and still do my little sometimes. Like, hey, man, I keep riding for shopping. Because every time I see y'all, y'all dressed alike. Y'all got y'all jewelry. <laughs> then when they were still on coach, some flights, I was like, man, them boys, I used to say, like, them boys going to float. And the next thing you know, man, they was through the roof. So I'm, I'm Atlanta run the game, man. It's easy. It's I'd be happy it. for folks, man. Atlanta I, I want the people to, to practice that more. Be happy when you see people succeeding because it gives the possibility of you succeeding a greater chance. But, so. Nah, Mike, man, it's been a pleasure. Once again, I appreciate you. Um, you you really, you really doing a great job for the culture, not just the culture, the whole entire world. And for you to take time out of your, your busy schedule Absolutely. Absolutely. to sit with us is, is, is really humbling. And um, how can the people get more information on all the endeavors? How can they support the businesses? Just, all just, of that stuff? just follow me on Instagram, Killer Mike. You get to see when I'm running around supporting Bankhead Seafood, which I co-own with T.I. and Noel Khalil, who's a successful developer here. You get a chance to see what we're doing in the swag shop and go to the uh, swag shop Edgewood. The yeah. swag shop Edgewood come here. And you also get to see what we're doing in Greenwood. So follow Bank Greenwood as well. It's just, um, I'm always putting up, I put up cars I like. I put up, um, I put up, put up a lot of ratchet shit too. Businesses I like and art and artists I like, you know. So, you know, if you follow me, you'll get a sense of the stuff that I'm doing. And um, I just appreciate what you guys are doing in terms of being a platform and providing plain speak in the, in the midst of business speak, right? Appreciate a lot that. of times, we don't pull the trigger because we're afraid. We're, we're not even afraid of failing. We're afraid of not understanding. Mm -hmm. And you guys help bring about, you know, wisdom and understanding and, and, and eliminate some of the anxiety and fear that people have. That's one reason I started following again, a.k.a. Anonymous. You guys have to follow her. That's a fact. Um, besides being wickedly clever on retorts with people, which she doesn't do <laughs> much now, what, what she does is help you to conquer the fear and anxiety by confronting the realities of going into stuff so that you go in prepared. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you're not afraid of a shootout if you train. You know what I'm saying? And if you know how to medically take care of yourself, and get out, you're not as afraid, you know, so because you're prepared. She really helps us be prepared. She gave me some advice once that take the focus off so much you, right, and, and, and put it on your brain. And what I did was marry part of what who I was with the brand. So other companies, you know, when this stuff pops off and Run the Jewels is doing well, or when Mike says something on TV, people send the light, they'll come and get me. They'll give me some money to say, hey, stand behind our brand. But I'm like, if my face can sell a pair of sneakers, if my face can, can help Cadillac, or, you know, if my face can help, you know, a, a beer or wine, why can't my face go on merch for my shop? And why can't we replicate that then with other people? So mm -hmm. we've been given um, permission by some other artists to also use their images. So we're going to partner with artists that sing and dance, and we're going to partner with actual artists that I like. So there's a whole world out there of cool things happening that we have an opportunity to monetize. And um, if you follow me, I'm going to be you know, using it, and I'm always looking for people to work and collaborate with. So look forward to some cool t-shirt collaborations, look forward to some cool products and merchandise and stuff for your hair, face, skin, scalp, Beard, and you know, if you come to Atlanta, 365 Edgewood, come right here to home base, right here to the flagship store. 
Our other store is on 3461 Roseville Highway. We have one at State Farm Arena that's closed through the COVID and NBA, but we're going to be branching out over the next two years, 10 more stores. So, so, Troy, housekeeping items? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our proud to pay program. Shout out to everybody that has a tier five member. Y'all also have access to EYL University, the number one online school for business and anything related with finance, man. So shout out to everybody that's in there. We got over 4,000 members. We love all of y'all. Shout out to Jen that's been holding us down. Um, and shout out to everybody that is supporting the merch. Um, and our team, our team behind the merch. Shout out to my man, Ben. And shout out to Smitty, man. They're here with us today, man. They... I watched these guys work to 4 a.m. the other night, man. I was I was highly impressed, man. So shout out to that. We got some new merch coming, so be on the lookout. Yeah, yeah. Access over liability. That's I got to do my boy. We got some hey, shirt for you. So yeah, we got some stuff for you. Atlanta, we love you. We love you. We appreciate you guys, and um, thank you for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.